1: spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer here's a camping hack from ll bean to make your next trip the best yet when putting together your gear wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle it's barely noticeable but if another piece of gear breaks or tears pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair for more camping hacks visit youtube.com slash ll bean ll bean be an outsider Welcome, everyone, to the Take It Home Podcast. I'm your host, John LaRocca, and it's a very special episode today. I will be looking back at WrestleMania Five. This was the first WrestleMania I watched live on pay-per-view. It was the start of my—not my very start, but I was still very, very early in my fandom of professional wrestling— and falling in love with it to a point where I continued to watch it for years and years. I got into the wrestling business. I worked with some of the very best in the wrestling business. I'm still talking about wrestling on a podcast. Oh, man. Wrestling is my blood. I love it so much. And I fell in love with it back in 1988. I fell in love with it to when I watched the WWF. I fell in love watching the Mega Powers and their rise in 1988. And I fell in love or I was kind of crushed when the Mega Powers exploded. Which led to WrestleMania V. The World Champion, WWF World Champion, Macho Man Randy Savage. Defending the title against Hulk Hogan. and a Mega Mania event on a WrestleMania pay-per-view. I was super excited about this. Of course, when... Now usually when you listen to this you're probably like wait, John Rocket, you're not talking about uh obscure indie or international promotion. Um no, that you know this week on the fight game media podcast, all our shows have been covering have been WrestleMania themed, uh taking uh what's been happening all week leading into WrestleMania. Um, our even our AEW podcast, The Boom, uh they're talking about Ring of Honor wrestling that's ha- that's happening on WrestleMania weekend. Um, so it's a rest- it's WrestleMania theme all week. It's been a lot of fun. All- our whole team has been working overtime. Has people have been jumping on other different shows? Uh, Mike Gilbert has been the MVP of this of this uh, this week. Just jumping on various different podcasts within our network. And when uh, a few weeks ago, Gary Gonzalez, the owner of Fight Game Media podcast, or Fight Game Media Network, excuse me, Garrett, don't 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 uh, don't take my pay away there. Um, he he told me like, hey, you know, we're everyone's doing our, like a WrestleMania theme. How would you like to do a retro WrestleMania? Look back at, and I'm like, sure, I want to do WrestleMania fight because that was my first live WrestleMania that I watched, and so and then I just. You know, prepping for this podcast and, and thinking about back when I watched this podcast has brought back so many great memories. I just can't wait to share them all with you and talk about those um, experience when I watched it. And so I'm like I said, super pumped. Um, even on our fight game media podcast on our Patreon, which is only five dollars a month, uh, give us a shot. We have a lot of great content on there. $5. It's a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Probably a little cheaper than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And you'll, you know. We did a raw we do a raw nineteen ninety eight review. Garrett Gazaw and I are going through that. We're covering week to week all the pay-per-views of 1998. And we covered WrestleMania 14 when Stone Cold Steve Austin won the WWF title over Shawn Michaels. So that was a lot of fun. So again, WrestleMania all week, WrestleMania thing, and I'm here on the Take It Home Podcast to talk about WrestleMania 5. Now I first saw wrestling. My actually first glimpse of wrestling was the hogan's cartoon right the hulk hogan cartoon i watched that just just knew that they were wrestlers that's all i knew you know that it made me seek out to see hulk hogan in person on television i didn't even know he was i thought it was just a cartoon i ended up and then i got the someone bought it when i was a kid they they you know i got a bunch of coloring books and one was the hogan um cartoon coloring book and i wish i saved that you know, for my collection of, of memorabilia that I have of, of wrestling, a lot of old school stuff. And, um, I wish I had that still to this day, but I don't, um, but that was, you know, that's what I remember. And then I remember, you know, finally seeing my first live, you know, wrestling match on television. And it was sometime in 1987 because it was the, uh, killer bees were talking about challenging the hard foundation for the titles, the tag team titles. And that, of course that was in 1997. I didn't, I never really gone back and looked at when they did a house show run with the, between those two teams. But, uh, it'd be kind of, that's when I first saw it. I just like, Whoa, what is this? These what of these guys fighting in this boxing ring. I didn't know it was a wrestling at the time. I thought it was a boxing ring, and these guys are fighting. There's no gloves, and they're punching, they're kicking, they're slamming each other, and I'm just yelling at my dad, "Dad, come here, check this out. Look what these guys are doing. They're they're beating each other up." And he's like, "Oh, it's wrestling, and it's fake." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, really? It's fake? Oh you know, yeah, they plan it out and gack and they go out there, blah, blah, blah. you know what a lot of people just say about wrestling." And and I was like, "Oh, okay." And you know, so I kind of. I was almost like disappointed knowing he wasn't real, right? But I thought it was still kind of cool. But my focus at the time was baseball. I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to, I love the Giants. I still love the Giants. I wanted to be a second baseman for the Giants. I was focused on Little League. And then my uh, my best friend growing up, his name is Chad Ng. He's like, hey, you you ever watch wrestling? I'm like, oh, it's not fake. He's like, yeah, but it's fun. I'm like, yeah, it was kind of fun when I saw it. And so He just watched the Survivor Series, um, 1988, and he was like, do you want to borrow the tape? I'm like, sure. I took that tape at home, and I watched it, and I watched it again, 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 and I gave it back to him, and I took it back to watch it again, and I don't think I ever gave it back to him at that point. And then we watched the Royal Rumble. I, I watched it after he watched it. He had the, the black box. I had it before I did. And he had the cable black box. So he was getting all this stuff. And so he taped the Rumble. Watched it. Let me borrow it. And again, I watched it. And watched it. And watched it. And watched it. Um, and I, I didn't know for sure. I never gave him back that that tape. And then he invited me over for uh, NWA. shytown town Rumble. Um, uh, to watch it the next day. He watched it live again. He's like, I have I watched this show. I'm like it's NWA Shy Town Rumble. I was like, what is that? He's like, it's like WWF, but more real. I'm like, what? More real? I'm in. So I watched that, saw Flare Steamboat. It wasn't as big of a production as the WWF was, but I still liked it. Um I saw Lex Luger for the very first time. And I was just blown away by this guy. He looked like a Greek god. He's press-slamming this huge, giant Texan, which is Barry Wyndham, over his head multiple times in this match. He even, Lex and loses, oh, no, he wins this match. He wins the U.S. title in this match. I'm like, this guy is great. I gotta watch more NWA. But I still was like, because WWF was my first experience, I was still like a WWF guy. And then... um. Growing up at the time, too, I had, a, I had another cl- very close friend. Um, his name was Billy Kadia, um, my Italian brother. And we would always play all the time. I would go go to his house, and we would play. I was just like – I can't imagine my kids doing this now because it's, like, it's just scary to think about. i just get my bike and just go blocks to his house. And, and, uh, and we'd play all day, and I started talking about wrestling, and I think – and I remember him him getting into wrestling, too, for a while. And I remember, like, showing him wrestling magazines. And all of a sudden, like, he got a subscription to WWF magazine. I was so jealous. But I used to love going over to the Kadia family house. Uh, John and Denise, Billy's parents were just oh, beautiful people. Um, they always treated me like a, like a son. Um, I just felt like it just felt home to me, you know, it just, it, and I enjoy just going over there and, and playing and, you know, they had this beautiful house, this huge house. It is directly across the street from our elementary school. And is, and our elementary school is close to a a hill, a big, a big hill. And, um, And it was – this house was three stories, like a basement, a a lower lower basement, which ended up being like the playroom or the video game room uh, where we go there, play our Nintendo, the very first Nintendo, and play all those games. And then, of course, you had the family room and the bedrooms. And, uh, you know, that was – the family room one story. Then you go upstairs to the second story, all the bedrooms. I mean, I think spending the night over there was – just a blast, they had this awesome pool, and spa, and again, John and Denise were just, like, they just treated me like family, and I always appreciate them for that, and I always will love them for that, and, you know, Billy was a really good friend, and we talked wrestling, and sports, and everything under the sun, and, You know, it was just, you know, just great, as everyone has when they're young, just great childhood memories. And, you know, I remember WrestleMania was was coming and, you know, the mega powers exploded. The Macho Man was jealous at Hogan because he said he had lust in the eyes for Elizabeth. And so we're like pumped for WrestleMania and Billy uh i don't think the black box dead or they ordered the or they ordered uh or they they ordered the pay-per-view whatever you know they he got it on their very big uh uh tv that is huge tv and i remember being so excited i mean for weeks leading to this match we talked about who we think would win it would be macho man would be hogan like it was a big debate and of course you know back then it was like all about the good guys beating the bad guys and macho was a bad guy now. So we want to Hulk Hogan to win the title. Um, so I just remember like, it was just us two watching it. Um, I think his dad came in and checked it out every once in a while. Um, his mom made us a nice little lunch while we were watching it. And we just had a blast watching WrestleMania 5. So, when I had a when this I picked this specifically for that just to think about these memories of that day and just brings back memory of the Kadia family. So I don't know if they'll ever listen to this, and I'm gonna tag them on Facebook. So I hope they do. And just um, you know, I know John, uh, their dad passed away. Um, he started, he passed away, and and um, you know, of course, I lost contact with them for a very long time. So we reconnected. Uh, Billy and I reconnected on Facebook and um then I, I remember frame requesting his mom, I saw his mom on there and and um you know, so I see their post and, and you know everyone's doing well and you know, so I just want to say, you know, thanks for everything, you know, growing up and and uh making me be, feel part of that family and just and be part of some many just great memories as a kid. Um so so yeah, I really wanted to say that. And so it leads me to WrestleMania Five, this is April second, nineteen eighty nine, a day I will never forget. The location: The Trump Plaza Hotel. It's really weird to see, you know, Donald Trump on my screen and during this uh, show. It just, it just, I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's just so weird now looking back. But of course, Atlantic City, New Jersey is where it was located at, and the play by team was the, the the legendary team of Greg Monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Though I end up more liking uh, Monsoon and Bobby the Brain more, but you know Ventura Monsoon, you know legendary, right? Backstage interview was me and Gene Okerlund. Rocker and Robin the WWF Women's Champion didn't have a match at WrestleMania Five. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't fit her in a, a match. You know, they had, they had they had too much going on. They had fourteen matches on this card. She sang the national anthem. Um, I totally forgot about that. Dwight. You know, watch this again. They had run DMC there. They had, uh, of course, Morton Downey Jr. was a celebrity then, and he and he ended up uh, doing the Piper's Pit, which we'll talk about soon. So, let's get into this card. I'm going to talk about the matches, not in great detail, but just my overall thoughts of rewatching him. Um, and I'm also going to give you the Wrestling Observer Dave Meltzer's star rating. And of course, everyone knows Dave Meltzer is a good friend of mine, and I love the just. Joust him about the star ratings, especially lately. He's getting a little crazy with them. Um, and so I look, I like, saw, like I, I found it online. I found like what he gave these matches, what the star ratings gave, and I saw my got a little issue with it. We'll talk about that. And I'll give it, I'll give my star rating, even though I don't really believe in star ratings anymore. But I'll give my comparison. So the opening match. Was King Haku with Bobby the Brain Heenan as his manager versus Hercules. Um, this match was a was a good match. It only went six minutes and five second, uh, 50, 57 seconds, a fifty fifty seven seconds. I remember as a kid, I felt I, this felt longer to me, and I totally forgot about this match. I always always kind of remember that Haku won, but he didn't win. It was actually Hercules. Uh, knowing that the shorter time, Haku. Uh, you know, Haku attacks Hercules right away when Hercules taking that big chain that he used his trademark chain he'd bring to the ring. So Haku jumpstarted the match, attacked him from behind. Uh, but, you know, Hercules turns the tables quickly gets the upper hand. Um, but for some reason, Hercules just... I don't know why he, they thought, this is a great idea. You know, what if I just... You know, as I'm on offense, I just get annoyed with Bobby Heenan who's doing nothing at ringside other than just being out there. And, then, and they do have previous history because... Um, if you remember, Bobby Heenan was, used to be a manager of Hercules. He tried to sell Hercules to Ted DiBiase, tried to sell DiBiase, his own personal slave. My gosh, 1988. Um, and, and so he just, like, jumps out of the ring, even though he's on offense, go chase after Bobby Heenan. And, of course, Haku follows him and attacks him. That's when it starts to heat. Haku hit that awesome backbreaker that he does. I love that backbreaker. It's just an awesome move. And what I remember was my favorite part spot of the match. Hercules, when he starts getting back on the advantage, he goes to the top. He's making his big comeback, the clotheslines, you know, this his traditional comeback. He goes to the top rope, which is very uncharacteristic of him. And he comes off the top rope. And, and Haku hits that savat kick. Boom. And I thought that was a finish for so long for years. I always remember, thought that, that was a finish. But that wasn't the finish because usually the savat kick was Haku's finisher, and you know, coming, kicking it from a guy coming down from the top, you'd think that'd be over. But no, Hercules survives, and the finish is Hercules hits a, a, a back suplex with a poorly done bridge, and Haku loses. And I was pretty shocked by that, looking back. But then again, as a Booker, I see where you know. This man wanted there. He wanted the Bay Face. You want to start the crowd. I like this too. You want to start to show off with a nice Bay Face win. You want to. I like to put the crowd in a good mood of seeing a hero win, and so that's what I think Vince was going for here. And it wasn't for Haku's crown. He didn't lose it, but Hercules does get a win. And I guess it kind of puts a cap on Hercules' feud with Bobby Heenan for you know trying to sell him to Ted DiBiase. Now, my star rating for this was. A solid two i thought it was a good opener um but uh, dave gave it a half a star which i thought was a little rough a little rough on that i thought they deserved better nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Um, Next match was the Twin Towers. Tag, this is going to be a tag team match here. Big Boss Band and Akeem with their manager Slick versus the Rockers. Shawn Michaels, Marty Gennetti. Um, Another jump start. And you, know, you know, This will be the theme of the show because they, they, they have a lot of time, but everyone wants to jump start because they just want to get into it because I guess in their eyes they don't have a lot of time. So they're just trying to get to it quickly, get the action going. And this crowd, by the way, at Trump Plaza, very casual, and so there wasn't much reaction to a lot of the a lot of the matches. They only saw a few guys as stars. Of course, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, uh, Roddy Piper when he came out came out before that segment. It, it ended up dying because uh, it was just it went too long. It was pretty boring. I'll, I'll talk about that more soon here, but. Um, It was, uh, you know, they were just kind of on their hands for most of it. Oh, they they got up for the Warrior and Rude match. Other than that, they sat on their hands, and it would react to a a big move would happen. Um, This was an easy story to tell. You had these two giant heavy guys, twin towers, versus smaller rockers. So you got you got size versus speed. Um, The rockers were a great tag team, and this was a really good match. you know, Sean gets a hot tag in. House of Fire always had a great hot tag. Um, Akeem just cuts him off with a sweet looking clothesline, and, and Michaels takes an awesome bump off it. it just look vicious as hell. Um, Boston catches one of the rockers. I think it was Marty and hits the, and turns to a, a power bomb, which looked awesome. And eventually, uh, the Twin Towers went over. Um, in eight minutes and five seconds, Dave Meltzer gave this match a star in three quarters. I gave it two, in a, two and a quarter. I just thought it was a lot better than what he thought. Maybe because of time, but, you know, Bossman and Akeem, especially at their weight at this time, they ain't going that long. So eight minutes is, is a good time there. Next match up, match number three, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase versus Bruce Barber Beefcake. Um, I thought this was a good match. It ended in a double countout. Um, you know, you got Beefcake, uh, getting ready for his big push as Hulk Hogan's buddy and his feud with Macho Man and Zeus from the movie No Holds Barred that Hogan filmed. Uh, but DBO, he is still a very much protected heel. Um, so it's this is just get him on this pay per view, give the people some action, um, and this the the disqualification finish was just an out for you don't want to beat any of these guys it was it was a good back and forth match it went 10 minutes 10 minutes and one seconds uh Dave gave the match a, a star in three quarter again and okay I, I I kind of feel them that I think that's pretty a pretty good a fair fair rating for that match I had about the same <laughs> next match, match number four, Fabulous Rujo Brothers versus the Bushwhackers. Uh, I mean, for the the quirkiness, and the comedic team, the Bushwhackers were here, the WWF. And, you know, the Rujo Brothers had to kind of, you know, just kind of dumb things down and make it simple because, you know, they're just there to fly around for the Bushwhackers. Um this match was you know fine for what it was, but it just was too long like this match should have easily been just a quick little six minute deal. It went nine minutes and ten seconds. Brothers mm-hmm. are a really good tag team a very underrated tag team there. I really wish it was them versus heart foundation in this match and they actually got some time but um but you know it wasn't it wasn't the plans, and uh they get this match. Negative four stars. She's really hated this match with that rating. I didn't hate it that much. I would just simply give it a half a star. Match number five was Mr. Perfect versus Blue Blazer. Blue Blazer, of course, was Owen Hart. Um, this was a good short match, but way too short. The match went five minutes and 38 seconds, um, which boggles my mind because the Rougeau Brothers match went... Uh, was like 90 minutes long and this match should have been the one that was only 5 minutes long. Uh, The Blue Blazer got to do some cool things but nothing to really stand out too much in this match and that's probably by design. Mr. Perfect's getting the big push, right? And sure, you could put these guys out there for 10 to 12 minutes and they could probably tear the house down, right? And steal the show but that's not their role for this for there on this show. Um, the folk, the focus on the show is to get Mr. Perfect over continue to get Mr. Perfect over. It's not about blue blazer doing anything to get over. Um, so it was designed not to be this, you know, high spot match, all action match, legendary match. That you, we know that because you guys are such tremendous workers that, they could have had this match that we all talk about for years but it's just not in the cards and a lot of people don't understand that when they about booking they think booking oh why you know they should have got 12 minutes but you know you're trying to get someone over if you know blue blazer i liked blue blazer as a kid you know the fly flying stuff i loved the high flying stuff as a kid and he's excited he was exciting but he also didn't win much, right? He wouldn't. He won early, you know, matches over enhancement talent, but he was never winning matches against the the top guys, right? If he was, it was like the Brooklyn Brawlers of the world or the, or the Mike Sharps of the world. He wasn't beating many of the of the of the top heels. So, if you have a guy like Mister Perfect, and this is the psychology of it, you have a guy like Mister Perfect who you're pushing. As a, a future top star, and he's on his way up to being that. If he goes toe-to-toe with a guy that can't win matches against upper echelon guys, that only takes down Mr. Perfect, right? So you're building up Mr. Perfect. So someone has to get beat and someone has to get beat convincing for someone to get over, and that's what would happen here. And so Dave get this match a Two stars and a quarter, I think, because he does like Owen Hart a lot. And I don't know if it was that good. Um to me, I, I would give it a I would give it a star and three quarter because it, it actually maybe a solid two because they accomplished the goal of what they wanted here. And I think as a viewer, if okay, if you're not, you know, a a guy that's reading a dirt sheet and you know about the work rates and all that kind of stuff. If you're just a casual fan, you're you're just seeing, hey, Mr. Perfect just beat that guy and beat him convincingly. So that gets him over. Match number six was for the WF Tag Team titles. It was the Tag Team Champions Demolition defending their titles against the Powers of Pain and Mr. Fuji in a three-on-two handicap match. Um, Mr. Fuji used to manage the Demolition when there was a heel, took him to the titles, um, but then when the power of pain came, he saw this, his impressive muscular team and he saw them as a future. So he turned on his champions demolition to, to join up with power of pain who he figured we going to win, beat the demolition and take the belts back to, for Fuji. But, and I was excited for this match really was, um, demolition, demolition was cool. I love the Power of pain. They're one of my guilty pleasures. Um, I just thought they were so cool. I loved the barbarian. His flying headbutt, his flying clothesline, that big boot he would do. He was one of the most impressive looking wrestlers I saw when I was growing up. So I always had a, a love for the barbarian and everything he did. All the way through to the powers of pain uh sorry, to the faces of fear at WCW. Um though I like like I like both teams. This was really a slow and lumbery match between two powerful teams. That's what you're gonna get. I mean if you're expecting a high paced, fast match, it's not this guy these guys' style. Um, it wasn't a bad match, it just lacked energy. Um, the casual Trump plaza crowd is, just did not care, right? Demolition was not over to them. Just coming out, they were, but like that's it. And as once the bell rang, they were just, you know, sitting on their hands. There wasn't, like I said, it wasn't too much energy and excitement. Um uh, just you don't have to do a bunch of million spots, but they could have done some more high impact stuff, power, more power slams, um, more bigger, you know, clotheslines, yeah, you know, stuff like that to kind of get the people up. Um, Mr. Fuji. Uh, Who's in the match. Who's a former wrestler. But he's been a manager for so long. And he looks older here. He's 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 an older guy. He's been through the wars. But even though he's a former three-time WWE tag team champion. Which Jesse Ventura points out. He gets in the ring. Takes out his ceremonial assault. Throws it at uh, Smash. But ends up hitting the warlord in the eyes. And uh, Demolition gets Fuji up. Into their finisher, there's a the demolition, decapitation, which is a cool move. Um, you know, it's a second rope elbow from the from the second rope as Smash held him in a backbreaker position, his opponent in the backbreaker position. Always looked cool. When I was managing my first team that I managed, um, the Mafia, Venice Mark and Chris Coglione, um, that was our finisher. <laughs> we called the Dastardly Deed. Um, so this match was 8 minutes, 20 seconds. Um I didn't have a problem with the time. Um, it probably should have been a little shorter, just because of what they put out there. Dave gave it a dud, which is just a really bad match. Um, I will give it a star. That's that's. I'm not going to be. I'm not gonna call it a dud. Now, this next match uh, was match number seven. Dino Bravo versus with his manager Frenchy Martin versus Ron Garvin. Uh, before the match, they had announced a you know a return to the WWF. Jimmy Superfly Snuka, who was a major star in the early '80s, has returned. Um, I remember like just reading him about that in the magazines, so I was excited to see Jimmy Snuka back in WWF. Um, this was a very short match. Again, another jump start. Bravo attacked Garvin, who tried to throw his trademark towel. Um, into the to the fans as a souvenir so bravo attacks it from behind uh, garvin got a little uh a little offense here a little bit of a comeback uh bravo he got to was doing his 10 punches in the corner but bravo end up reversing into an inverted atomic drop a very underrated move a very forgotten move the atomic drop uh the traditional way to do it and. uh you know, you're hitting the guy in the in the in the tailbone as he's facing outwards, but the invert is he's the wrestler's facing inwards to you. And I just think that move could be still get a great reaction. Should be used today, um, but it's one of those moves that just is a forgotten about. You know, Bravo hits that the 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 inverted atomic drop, and then he hits his trademark side suplex finisher, which I loved. So simple, a, another move that is suplex that's not done or or suplex or slam it's called a side slam as well um done here and there but no one's using it as a finisher i miss the days of the 80s and 90s when finishers were so simple now you got guys and matches and gals and matches doing like you know five or six finishers and they don't they don't beat anyone um after the match ron garvin uh got his heat back by a Beating up the manager, Frenchy Martin, and give him the old Garvin stomp, where he stomps every little uh, part of the his opponent's body. Uh, this match was only three minutes and six seconds, like a a, win, a, a quick, short get over match for Dino Bravo. Um, and this match was a dud by uh, Meltzer as well. I I want to call it a dud. It was it was it it accomplished its its goal, and that goal was to. Give Dino Bravo a, 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 a decisive win over Ron Garvin, who, you know, even though wasn't pushed as a world, sh- former world champion on WF because it was an, he won the NWA world title, but, you no, know, he still wasn't, he still was protected a little bit. And this was, uh, this was, you know, he just got off that, Ron Garvin just got off that feud with Ron Garvin, which he won, sorry, that, Ron Garvin got that off that feud with Greg Valentine, which he just won at the at the. Oh, excuse me, that no, I'm way off my time frame. Excuse me, Ron Garvin still new and he was still featured on television and he was getting wins over enhancement talent, but he had a little edge to him, and so this was a, a, a big win for Ron uh, for Dino Bravo, excuse me. Uh, but Dave thought it was a dud. He was not happy with this show, as you can see. And uh, as I flip the page here, I, I, took, I took notes, man. I do. I got the notes down. Match number eight was a brain Busters, Arn Anderson and Tolly Blanchard versus the reuniting of the Strike Force. Uh, the story was uh, Rick Bartell got hurt in a match with Demolition in 1988. He took some time off, and he returned. I believe he. I believe Rick Bartell. The story was he took time off to take care of uh, his wife who was ill. I believe so. Um, so he's back, and this was a good match. It had a good story. Um, like I said, this was Strikeforce's first match back as a team. Um, early on, Strikeforce had a miscommunication where Tio Santana hit Rick Martell with his flying forearm. When he was trying to hit, I believe it was Arne Anderson, but Santana hit Martell. Um, and the Buster, the Busters end up taking over on Santana there. Uh when Santana tried to make the tag to Martel, Martel, who was still selling this forearm shot from Mar- from Santana, he just jumps down and says, to hell with this. I'm done with this. And he walks out on Santana. And Santana's lone two-on-one against the Arne Anderson, Tolly blanchard. Puts up a little fight, but eventually the Busters get the advantage and hit a, one of the most beautiful spike pile drivers. Oh. That that just looked awesome. I remember rewatching that multiple times back then because it was just like, I'm like, how does he not, How does he not dead after that, right? Um, of course, this is the start of Martell's heel turn. He ends up becoming the model, which he became famous for. But uh, one of the what a really great wrestler Rick Martell was, and he's one of the guys I always mention to young wrestlers to watch because either as a Bayface or a heel. He's tremendous and one to definitely study if you're a young worker. This match went 9 minutes and 17 seconds. I don't think it needed to be that long. I think they could have got to the point quicker. Um, Dave gave this match 2.5 stars. Um, It was good, but I wouldn't give it 2.5 stars. I would give it another solid 2. It was another solid 2. Next. Thing on the show was the Roddy Piper's return for his Piper's Pit with Brother Love, who's of course Bruce Pritchard, and Morton Downey Jr. Morton Downey Jr. was a shock talk host um, that had a little, you know, fame in like 88, 89 ish, and it kind of soon fizzled out after that. Uh, so he was on the tail end of his popularity here um, in uh, 1989. And first, Roddy Piper just makes fun of Brother Love, who's like this evangelist, you know you know stealing money um was it rick baker or or, you know yeah he's trying to you know play off that he has this red face my dad loved brother love he just got a kick out of him he thought he was hilarious my dad yeah my dad used to always make fun of me about undertaker and paul bearer but brother love he just thought it was a was a riot (laughs) go figure um he used to love i love you and i got a kick out of it too so piper runs off pritchard you know Pritchard's out there the kilt and making fun of uh Piper and Piper ends up taking off Pritchard's kilt and he, all he has under there was just red underwear and he runs up. It was everybody thought it was funny back then, you know, in their minds, but it, it just didn't didn't work. Morton Danny Jr., his gimmick was he'd always say Zip It was his tagline. He'd be he'd be known when he's talking to guests, he'd be smoke, chain smoking during the show, right? Um he died of of uh, cancer from uh, lung cancer, I believe. And, you know, he became, once he got diagnosed with cancer, he became an activist. You know, um, he was definitely against smoking at the time, but, you know, a little too late with the smoking and finally caught up to him. Uh, but, anyways, Mornadian Jr. is being nauseous. He's blowing smoke in Piper's face and Piper is just warning him, don't do that again. Don't do that again. You do one more time. I'm going to do something about it. And finally, he does it one one too much one too many times to, to Roddy Piper blows the smoke in his face Piper he thinks he's just gonna destroy him but you know it's, he's not gonna just punch out the celebrity so he goes you know what you know what, ah, you know what give me one of those cigarettes and so you know Morton Danny Jr. turns his back starts lighting a cigarette gets it ready for him Piper has a fire extinguisher underneath one of the uh, the stools that has like a drape over it so you can see what's under it and he douses Morton Downey jr with the fire hydrant and that was the best part of it but it just took forever to get there and it just dragged and you know piper looked rusty he was good but you, you i think if he had someone else someone better to play off of um than morton downey jr i think it would have been a, a really good segment but and shorter too it just went too long And the show had like 14 matches, so you don't need these long segments. Uh, The next match was, I couldn't believe the length it had. Nine minutes and 44 seconds. It was Jake Roberts versus Andre the Giant. Um, Big John Studd was the special referee. I believe, originally I think Big John Studd was supposed to probably wrestle Andre on this show. Or or he was definitely going to wrestle because... You know he won the Royal Rumble in '89. They had plans, but he got hurt, and so they 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 put him on there with this uh, with this uh, special referee deal still have him in the ring with Andre. Um, you know Jake Roberts makes his way to the ring. This is off camera, but Andre or Bobby Heenan took the top turnbuckle off. One of the turnbuckles, one of the top turnbuckles off, so there's the the steel was exposed. So when uh, Jake Roberts. Gets in the ring. What do you know? Jump start and quickly, uh, Andre Rams Jake Roberts head into that uh, exposed steel. And now Jake is selling, and Andre is uh, putting the heat, a very long heat on Jake Roberts. He's doing all his traditional stuff: squishing the corners, deck on the guy on his mat. Um. Andre Cattell's really hurting here. He has to really stay close to the ropes to hold himself up. It's so funny as a kid, you don't even see that, but you know you're just in awe of this man's size. But I could see where, you know, he's where the shortcuts he needs to take because you know he's really his back's really bad, and of course, Roberts makes a comeback, and people got up for the comeback. They they started they start rumbling for this match a little bit, and he knocks down Andre. And Andre goes in his ropes, gets tied in ropes, his traditional spot. And the people got up for that. And they got up for Jake on the, on the, on the offense. But Andre, with the size ends up taking, taking advantage again. Um, Eventually, you know, Jake gets, gets thrown out of the ring. He gets frustrated. He grabs the, the, goes for the bag with Damien, the the bone restrictor is in there. And of course, in 88, you know, Andre's scared of snakes. and, and, one point, uh, Jake threw the snake on Andre, and Andre like passed out. And I remember like feeling so sympathetic to Andre when I saw that. Um, I felt bad for him. Like that's that's being mean, Jake Roberts. But uh, so he goes for the bag, but a million dollar man comes down, and you know he's a close associate to Andre Giant, and he takes the bag from Jake Roberts and starts walking walking back up to the stairs to the. Get out of there! Take the take Damien away from Jake Roberts, but Jake Roberts follows him. Jake gets the bag, uh, the bag with the snake back. But in the ring, Andre and and John Stud have words, and Andre attacks John, starts choking him. But then Jake Roberts comes out and throws in the uh, throws in the snake. and Andre bails out of there. Um, Dave really, excuse me hated this match negative three stars I don't think so I I thought it was very entertaining and what do you you expect Andre Giant to do like he did everything he could do everything he could still do very well he did it and Jake was a great seller people were up for the comeback you know I'm not saying it's a classic but I'd give it a good two stars for sure uh (laughs) But still, nine minutes and 44 seconds, way too long. Way too long. Um, definitely could have been kept around six minutes to get all this done. It could have been, you know, this you know, this show went over three hours, which I didn't realize. I thought all WF pay per views back then were just three hours, but this went over three hours. Match number 10, can you believe it? Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jimmy Anvil Neinhardt versus the Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine. Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine are not rhythm and blues yet they're you know Greg Valentine hasn't uh jet blacked his hair and looked like Roy Orbison um this was a it was a you know good match uh Howard foundation won with Bret Hart when Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Hart their manager of, of Valentine and Honky Tonk Man was trying to give uh Honky Tonk the megaphone to use but Bret Hart got it hit Honky Tonk Man as the referee was busy with Jim Hart and Greg Valentine and one to three, seven minutes and forty seconds. Um, the star rating was a qu- two and a quarter. Yeah, I would. Me, I gave it a star and a half. Right? I don't know if two and a quarter just seems like a lot. It was back then. That was a good rating. Nowadays, it's like you can have a really bad match. and get like four and a half stars. So. It's all it's all wacky, but um that's why I don't really care too much about Star Race. A very important match, a very historic match for the uh short uh, career on top is a peak, short peak for the ultimate warrior. It was Ultimate Warrior who's the intercontinental champion defending against Rick Rude. Um Rick Rude wins the the intercontinental with, with Bobby Heen pulling the leg as Rude was suplexing Rude uh, back. Warrior was suplexing Rude back into the ring and and Bobby Heen pulled the leg. Um that classic finish. I got to do that on Billy Gunn for a finish. That was fun. I remember where, actually it was supposed to be the the New Age Outlaws going over my tag team called Ego and but the you know, the outlaws, Billy Gunn and Road Dog were so awesome. They're like, Listen, we're only here for one show. This is your territory. You're gonna be here when we're gone. We're gonna put you guys over. Cause they really liked us. Just they liked our our attitude. And um when we come to the finish, he, I remember Brian James, Road Dog, he was like, you know, grab the foot, you know, hold it down on Billy Gunn, you know, like Warrior Rude. So it's like every when you see that finish, everyone thinks Warrior Rude. And and this match was 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 good. You know, uh Warrior was uh throwing Rude around like a like a like a like a basketball, right? Just throwing him from corner to corner. Uh Rude hit this nasty flying drop of the top rope right in the face of the ultimate warrior. Just creamed him. He's I mean, God, imagine if Warrior I mean, granted, Rude's gonna go over anyway, so but imagine if just got knocked out. I mean, that was it was a brutal drop kick to the face um but warrior you know he's still just power through it and won um nine minutes 36 seconds dave gets this match two and a half stars i actually gave it uh three because i thought they told a really fun story and the, the finish was cool and you know the champion was crowned. A shocking finish. I I remember me me and Billy were like super warrior fans, and we're like, "There's no way that this little skinny. We thought he was skinny. Rick Rue was gonna beat the Ultimate Warrior. He was just, just this massive m- man of muscle." And the heels cheated, and we were pissed. And that was the that was the point. Bad match number twelve. Badness Brown versus Jim Duggan. Again, jump start. <laughs> Another jump start. Jump starting the the previous match with Rudin, and, and Warrior. Um, uh, just a more just heat on Duggan. Quick comeback. Uh, Duggan hits his uh three, two point stance, clothesline finisher. But bad news, Brown, who did not do jobs on television, took a bump um, out to the floor, goes in frustration, grabs a chair. Duggan has his two by four. Um and they just like have a duel with a chair and a two by four, double disqualification. You know Duggan's super popular, They don't want to beat him. Uh bad news Brown is getting ready for uh to be challenging Hogan for the title on some house show runs. Um and in that case I would have said, you know what? Fuck it. You know, put Bad News Brown over. Like if he's gonna be challenging Hogan for the bell on the house shows, like let him just get him a big win on over a very popular guy, Jim Duggan. I you know, I don't know why they to protect him. Um, match number thirteen, the red rooster, which is Terry Taylor and a really horrible gimmick, poor guy, versus Bobby Heenan, who and who had the Brooklyn brawler at ringside with him. Bobby Heenan managed Terry Taylor when he came in and gave him the gimmick Red Rooster. He was going to take a guy from nothing and make him a star. He's going to give him a really bad name like the Red Rooster and prove that he's such a great manager. He's going to get a guy named Red Rooster over. Um, it didn't do anything but really hurt Terry Taylor's career going forward. At that point, uh, he didn't. You know, they end up. He never get, kept getting so frustrated. The Red Rooster. He and the and was you know verbally abused again. And finally got physical with him. And, and Red Rooster lost his. Lost his shit and finally beat the hell out of Bobby Heenan. That led to this match. And a really famous angle on Primetime Network where, you know, the Brooklyn Brawler debuted. Steve Lombardi, he's been there for a long time, his enhancement talent, debuted as a, a, a new character, the Brooklyn Brawler. He ends up attacking Terry Taylor on a Primetime set and led to this match here. It only went 31 seconds and, and uh, Rooster won. Um, but after the match, the brawler attacked Red Rooster, and so that, that set up just future matches on the house show loop uh, between those two. Um, this was a dud, and I agree with Dave. It was just n- nothing to this match at all. The main events here, the Mega Powers finally ex- are going to explode. It's the uh, WWE Champion Randy Savage versus Hulk Hogan. This match went 17 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, I thought Savage was awesome here. Hogan was really good. Uh, Miss Elizabeth, who was their manager, of course Macho Man's manager first, but she, you know, took took in Hogan as a as a as a as a client because you know the Mega Powers are a team, and so she was conflicted. So she was in a neutral corner. Um, of course, Savage, you know, hated Hogan for l- having lust in his eyes for Elizabeth as he thought. You though know, Hogan said he didn't. But uh, this was a Brilliant storyline, a simple but brilliant storyline that took place for over a year to lead to this point. This man had a plan and worked his way backwards as he would do. Like this was like top Vince McMahon booking here, and uh, it was a success on pay per view because of this angle and and I thought they delivered in a match from this from this angle. They've always done business together like wherever they went, and they can always go back to it. They went back to a WCW. It did business. Um, and I thought this was a really good world title match. Uh, Dave only gave it two and a three quarter. I thought that was Rough. I thought, honestly, yeah, it wasn't Flair Steamboat, but I thought it was in its own way, at least a three and a half star match. You know, you had Savage bumping around. You had a great story that they had not going into the match. You had the, the, the match, the story they told in the match, where Randy Savage would like, you know, backpedal and put Elizabeth in front of him. Oh, wow, what a great heel when he put the woman in front of the front of him. And oh man, it got such great heat. Crowd was really into this match. Um, the only negative this match, and I, I just I always hated this, is Macho hits that beautiful flying elbow. One, two, kick out by Hogan, and he is the Hulk up. I know that's his deal. I know it's his deal. But did he have to kick out of the finisher? I that do like I think Macho goes for the elbow, takes his time up there, arms up, comes down, about just about, almost getting close to hit it. You think he's gonna hit it? Hogan quickly gets out of the way. Crash and burn from Macho Man. That's when Hogan starts doing his Hulk up. But I didn't like the kick out of the the elbow drop. I just did not like that at all. So Hogan does his big comeback. And, you know, boom. Leg drop. One, two, three. Uh, I thought this was really good. Um, So a little disappointed. Dave's two and a three quarter star. Come on, Dave. Get with it, man. I know, like, you're comparing it to the same day of Flair and Steamboat, you know, 58 minute match that happened, two out of three fall match that happened on the Clash Champions on free television that same night. Um, yeah, if you're comparing that, yeah, I can see, but on its own, you know, don't compare it to what you saw earlier. Compare it to what they're doing here. You, know, you, know, you know, rate what they're doing here, and I thought they had a really good match. In. You know, I think three and a half stars is a really great rating. Nowadays, it's like, oh, it's not that much. Like, no, that's a, that was a great rating when rating these stars really did mean something. So, um, it was fun to look back. Fun to look back at this pay per view. Um, at my first WrestleMania that I watched live on pay per view. Fun to think about the great memories of the Kadeem family. So, I hope you enjoyed this special Take It Home podcast. As you see in my voice, I'm just so energetic because I just, you know, I talk about a time when I was just like, I just was falling in love with professional wrestling. That's still there today as I'm, you know, doing a podcast now and still involved, still helping talent get booked on shows, still doing all that kind of stuff. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and give me your thoughts on WrestleMania 5. What's your favorite memory of WrestleMania 5? I would love to hear them. So find me on Twitter at LaRoccaJL. That's L-A-R-O-C-C-A-J-L. Hit me up. I would love to hear back from you. And and hear what you think of this shows. Everyone have fun as you watch WrestleMania this weekend. I hope they put on a great show. And I hope you have a great time watching it. Take care.